Good morning, everyone. How are we today? Great. I always taught my congregation to say blessed. How are you today? Blessed. Right? I'm blessed just to be here with you today. I'm so excited to be able to come and and join with you uh, this Sabbath. I am Pastor Marshall Gonzalez. I have been the pastor for over 39 years. All but two of those here in the the Texas conference. Uh, And uh, it just has been a tremendous blessing to be able to be part of of the Lord's work. Now we are, um, I am the, uh, I am your plan giving and trust services uh, representative and also the stewardship uh, coordinator for for this area. My wife, Julie, is with me today. She's a kindergarten teacher there at Cypress Bend Elementary in, uh, in Jefferson. Now, um, I have this card. I don't know if they've been passed out. One per family. Thank you. This card is just if you would like information. Uh, I do help in uh, preparing wills and trusts and, um, and updating. You might have a will that you have not updated and you need to get it updated as well. We are here to serve you. And so this card is just if you have uh, if you would like that information, just all, all I really need is your name and a phone number. Um, and uh, you can put on there if you'd like to create a Christian will, make changes to your will, create a family trust, or just you might just have questions and be glad to give you those, question, those answers as well. Now, you may be thinking, you know, I don't, I don't need a will. Why do I need a will? I don't have anything. Um, sad to say there was a gentleman who said that. I, all I have are debts, he said. I don't have anything. And uh, so he didn't create a will. Well, sad to say he got, um, he got killed on his job. Uh, another car came and, and hit the vehicle he was in, and uh, it was really bad. And so he died. He got $300,000 from the person who caused the accident, and he got another 400000 from the work, his job, because it was on the job. So now he had $700,000 and he had no will. What's going to happen to that? Well, the government will, you know, they'll look to see if you have any descendants. They'll search for them, but they will keep 40% as a finder's fee for doing that. And should they not find anyone... They keep all of it. Especially if you have minor children. If you have minor children. I know among my culture, we have a habit of saying, well, I talked to my brother and his wife. And if anything happens to us, they're going to take care of our children. Maybe, maybe not. Because if you don't have a will, actually the government will decide what will happen to your children. And if you have more than one, they may say this one is going with this family and this one is going with that family. If you have a will, in that will you can put there who you want to take care of your children should something happen to you. And also put in there that you do not want them separated as well. You want them kept together. So if you have any questions, if you are interested in it. Fill out the card, give it to me on the way out, or if you can't, my information is on the bottom, my name, my phone number, my uh, email address, 
Uh, if I can serve you, I'm here to serve you. Uh, this is my area. Um, somebody was asking me, they said, well, you know, do you live in Keene? Do you live in Alvarado? No, we have the wonderful blessing of living in Hallsville. So we're right here in the area and we're so excited about that because we love this area. And uh, so I have East Texas and I have uh, Houston as well. But we're here to serve you if you have any uh, questions, any needs, even on stewardship. Uh, I help there as well. I help with uh, finances. I help with uh, debt, uh, freedom of debt, how to do that. Maybe some other time I'll get to come by. Maybe in the afternoon we can do a uh, seminar on, on, uh, on, on finances and, and what have you. So, uh, so if you have any questions, just fill the card out or either you can give me a call and I will be glad to, to help you and be of service to you. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to be with your people and also to be able to take your word and share what is in your word. We need, we need your word, Lord. The, the, the world needs you today more than ever. And so as we come to your word, we ask you to give us a clear understanding. Open our mind, open our heart, open our understanding to understand and to receive what you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, as I travel around, one of the things that I notice is that in every town, there's at least one church. At least one. Some of them, there are two or three. I've even been to some where it seems like on every corner there is a church. Another thing I've noticed is how in your small towns, many of your small towns have some of the largest churches I've ever seen. Some of the towns that are less than 2,000 people, I have seen some huge and beautiful churches. And there's something else that I always am interested in watching. I like to see that some of these churches, they have a slogan. After their name, they'll have their name up there. And they'll have a little slogan that, that, that they use. For example, uh, Main Street Bible Church, where the Bible is our guide. Or, or Mighty Fellowship Church, where fellowship is number one. You know, they always have something... Uh, that goes along with that. Well, the other day I was traveling in a certain part of this wonderful state. And I saw this sign, this huge sign. I mean, you couldn't miss it. It was a huge sign that had the name of this church in, in huge letters. I'm telling you, you could not miss it, right? Driving along this road. Huge and that's really interesting because, you know, sometimes I've seen churches that have this little bitty sign that you can hardly read it. And you're like, well, what? You know, you know, it's a church, but this one had a huge sign. You couldn't miss it. And so it had the letters of the church's name up there. And right below it, in letters the same size as its name, it had written the following. No rules. Just Jesus. You know, when you read that, you're like, wow, okay, amen. 
I think I know what they're trying to express. I hope what they were trying to say is, come as you are. You're not going to be judged. You're not going to be condemned here. Everyone is welcomed here. But when you read something like that, no rules, just Jesus, you realize, at least I do, that you cannot have Jesus without rules. You know, it might sound nice and inviting. It might sound warm and welcoming. It might sound likable and logical. But you have to stop and ask yourself, is it biblical? You see, Jesus himself says in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And here Jesus is talking about the law of God. He's talking about rules. He's talking about life principles. If you love Jesus, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, there are rules that we should follow. Now, rules do not save us, okay? We've got to get that very clear. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we're saved by grace and nothing else. But because we're saved by grace, does that mean that there are no rules to follow? That we don't need to be obedient to God? Paul says the following in Romans chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. He says, What then? Shall we sin, he says, because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Just because we're saved by grace, just because we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, friends, it doesn't mean that there aren't any rules that we're to follow. You know, when you love someone and you give your heart to someone, you want to know what pleases them and what displeases them because you want to do the things that they like and you don't want to do the things that they don't like. Now, I think we all understand that the church is not a building, right? The church is the people. And I'm telling you right now, Mount Pleasant has a beautiful church. And we're not talking about the building. We're talking about the people. When God brought his people, watch this. When God brought his people, his church, out of Egypt, And he guided them through the desert. One of the first things he did was to take them to Mount Sinai. And there he revealed to them his Ten Commandments. He revealed to them his law. He revealed to them what I would call his principles of life. Now just stop and think what a difference the world would be. Just stop and think what a different world we would be living in if everyone would follow those principles of life. Stop and think 
how God's church would be different if everyone would follow those principles of life. There would be no need of locks on the doors. There would be no need of policemen on the streets. There'd be no need of alarm systems. See, those principles are are there, and they're not there to save us, but because we are saved by grace, they are important, and we should obey them. And God demonstrated this vital truth when He brought His, His people, His church, out of Egypt, out of bondage. You know, the first place, and we we studied this in the Sabbath school lesson today. It was mentioned in the Sabbath school lesson today. The first place God guided his people was to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army caught up with God's church and was ready to destroy them. Now remember, Pharaoh was God's enemy. He represents God's enemy, Satan. And before them was the Red Sea, and there seemed no way out. But we know the story. God parted the Red Sea, and God's church walked on dry land until they reached the other side. Now notice, God did this before He gave them His commandments. In other words, God saved them by His grace. He saved them. And not because they were the largest nation in the world, not because they were the smartest people in the world, Not because they were the wealthiest people in the world. He saved them by His grace because they are His people, His church, and He loves them. Aren't you glad that really the only way you and I can be saved is by grace? Can you imagine if God said, I'm only taking all the tall people. Or I'm only saving all the short people. Or I'm only saving all the smart people. that, That leaves me out all over the place, right? But God is a just God. And he says, I'm saving you not because you're tall or short or rich or poor or black or white. I'm saving you because I love you. You're my creation. You're my people. And I'm saving you by grace. But notice what God does. After he saved his people by grace... He takes them to Mount Sinai and gives them his law. It is as if God is telling his church, I have saved you by grace. You now have freedom. You are free. If you want to maintain and keep that freedom, do not have other gods before me. Do not worship idols. Do not take my name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. And that doesn't just go for children, right? That goes for all of us, adults as well. Honor your father and your mother. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't covet your neighbor's things. You see, these are all principles of life that keep us free free from bondage, free from sin, as long as we obey them, as long as we follow these rules. Now, there are some who will say, yeah, but you know what? In the New Testament, it's all about Jesus, you know, and and not about rules. Well, yeah, it's all about Jesus. 
And the Old Testament is about the prophecies and the symbolism that speak to us about the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. The New Testament is the fulfillment of all those prophecies and and those symbolisms. Yet in the New Testament, Jesus stresses the importance of obeying his commandments. Remember what he said in John 14, 15? If you love me, keep my commandments. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And basically God is saying that we cannot serve God and serve someone else. That would be having another God, small God, before our great God. And God is saying that we cannot serve God and serve someone else and still remain free. Because my brother, my sister, that would be sin. The first commandment tells us that we are to serve and worship God and God only. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says, He who is not with me is against me. So you see, we cannot worship God and another God at the same time. That is sin. And God's commandment also tells us not to worship idols. Idols are anything that has taken the place of God in our life and in our heart. Idols are not made by God. They're made by us, by you and me. And God is the only creator. We are not creators. We are created beings. And God is our creator. But when we worship idols, idols that we have created, by doing so, we're claiming to be creator as well. And you know, we can make our job an idol. We can make our spouse an idol. We can make our car, our trees, our house, statues of other people, all these things, we can make idols out of those things. And according to the Bible, we're committing a sin. If you study the Bible, you'll find that sin began with the devil. Revelation chapter 12 tells us there was war in heaven. On one side you had Satan and the angels he deceived fighting against Christ and the angels that remained loyal to God. Now stop and think about this. The first war was in heaven, right in the presence of God Almighty. And what caused this war in heaven? (laughs) Isaiah Ezekiel and other books of the Bible will tell you that in the devil there was found pride and arrogance. He became proud and arrogant. He wanted to be God. Now he didn't want to have and and to, and to display the compassion, the love and the mercy of God. No, 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 no. What he wanted, he wanted to be God. He wanted the power of God. He wanted God's throne. So what was Satan doing? He was breaking God's law. He was coveting something that did not belong to him. 
In his heart, he was wanting to get rid of God. And in order to that, to do that, if possible, he would have to kill God. So he was breaking God's law. He was being disobedient. He wasn't following the rules of heaven, my friends. He was sinning. So there was war in heaven. And the result of that war was that Satan and his angels that he deceived were cast out of heaven to this earth. Now think about this. If Satan was cast out of heaven for not following the rules, for being disobedient, for sinning, do you think that you and I will get into heaven not following the rules, being disobedient, and sinning? I don't think so. This earth is the school. It's the testing ground. This is where God, through His Word, is telling us to follow His rules. Jesus makes it very clearly, If you love me, keep my commandments. And in the original language, in the Greek, what it really says is, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, Keeping God's commandments is a form of demonstration that we love God. It's a form of demonstration that we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that we trust Him to forgive us of our sins, to save us, and to take us to live with Him for all eternity. It's a way of demonstrating to God and all the world that we belong to Him. He is our God and we are His people. To say no rules, just Jesus, my friends, that can send a wrong message. There are many people who are looking for a church where all you have to do is belong and just say, I love Jesus. They're looking for a church where they don't have to change anything about themselves, about their lifestyle, about their beliefs. They're looking for a church where they can continue to live the life they lived before. And the sad thing is that there are many churches out there where you can join and not have to change anything. But every time I read the Bible, I notice that every time Jesus has an encounter with someone, He accepts them just as they are. But he loves them too much to leave them as he found them. And and if they will allow him, he will change and transform their life. The one who was an alcoholic is no longer an alcoholic. He's now sober and he's worshiping God. The one who used to beat up his wife and mistreat his family is no longer beating up his wife and mistreating his family. The one who who used, used to sell and use drugs is no longer selling and using drugs. The one who used to rob and cheat and steal and lie is no longer robbing and cheating and stealing and lying. They have given their life to Jesus and Jesus has taken their life and transformed it completely. 
Sometimes the change that Jesus does in one's life is so great that friends and families no longer recognize them and they have to ask, what has happened to you? What a tremendous opportunity to tell them about the life changer known as Jesus Christ. And now they keep the commandments. They follow God's rules. They no longer cheat, lie, worship idols, or commit adultery. But they don't do these things in order to be saved. They don't keep the commandments and follow God's rules in order to be saved. They follow God's rules because they are saved by the blood of the Lamb. It's a way of demonstrating that we've accepted Jesus as our Lord. And our Savior. If you're looking for a church that worships God in truth and spirit, it's the church that teaches that salvation is through Christ alone. But it also teaches that obedience is a form of demonstration that we have accepted that salvation, that we are sons and daughters of a living God. Let me tell you about my friend Rachel. That's not her real name. Rachel was rebellious as a teenager. Oh, man. She was just tremendous, <laughs> just rebellious. as a, She gave her parents a hard time. She got to the point where she just couldn't stand it anymore. She couldn't stand her parents anymore. And there was one thing that really bothered her. She hated God. She, hate, she did not want to have anything to do with God. So she ended up running away from home. Running away from her parents. She thought if I do that, if I get as you know, far away from them, I will have peace. I will be fine. And as far as God's concerned, she says, I'm going to break every rule that God would want me to keep. I hate him. And so she got into drugs. But that wasn't enough. She got into prostitution. But that wasn't enough. She got into satanic worship. And that wasn't enough. Because she wanted Satan's power. It wasn't enough just to worship Satan. She would read books on casting spells. She would read books on witchcraft. But what she wanted more than anything, she wanted the power that Satan had. So one day, she goes to the flea market. And as she's going through there, she sees this table that's full of books. And she thinks, ah, maybe I'll find a book here that will help me develop my powers. And so she goes and she looks at these books and they're all kind of strange looking books. And she's not sure of, of what it's all about. But there is one book that catches her eye. She thinks to herself, I've got to have this book. And she looked at it and she picked it up and she said, how much for this book? And the gentleman said, no, 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 it's free. All these books are free. You can take it with you. She said, are you sure? Yeah, it's free. 
So she took that little book home and she read it cover to cover, a little book called Steps to Christ. And she read it cover to cover. And she began to think, this isn't that bad. So she went back the next time there was a flea market. And she knew the table was going to be there. And and she comes up to the table and she looks at all the other books. And she begins to talk with the person there. And she talks to him and tells him how, how she really liked that little book, Steps to Christ. And he says, well, you'll probably like this one. This one's called The Desire of Ages. And, and probably this one, too, called The Great Controversy. And she looked at those and she says, I think I will. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd like to read these. So she struck up a conversation with this person and, and, and struck up a friendship with this person. She read those books. I began holding an evangelistic series. And this person that had the table invited her. Listen. My pastor is having an evangelistic series. Would you like to come? And so she came. Every night she was there. Every night just sitting right up front. And on the night when I asked people if they wanted to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, she stood up. She says, I do. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And on the night when I said... Are you willing to give your life to the Lord and be baptized? She was the first one that jumped up and said, I want to be baptized. I need to be baptized. And I had the privilege of baptizing her. She's your sister in Christ. And she now has gone to Europe, to Mexico, all across the United States, Telling others about this life-changing Jesus. And telling them how important it is to follow the rules. How important it is and how wonderful it is to keep the commandments. No, my friends. No rules. Just Jesus. No. If you have Jesus... There are rules. But they're not rules. They're life principles that will keep you free. That will keep you in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, there's nothing in my 39 years I have seen Jesus do miraculous things. There's nothing that He cannot do And I invite you this morning, if you would like to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to help me. I want you to give me the power to keep your commandments. I love you, Jesus. You see, it's easy to say, I love you, Jesus. How many times have you gone up and down the street and you see these little bumper stickers? If you love Jesus, you know, honk your horn. And everybody's going around honking the horn. You know, there's nothing to honking the horn. That's easy. And that's why Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you love me, keep my commandments. And if you accept me, I will give you the power to keep my commandments. And his commandments become 
a promise. Jesus basically says, accept me as your Lord and Savior. And I promise you, you'll have no other gods before me. Accept me as Lord and Savior, and I promise you, you'll not worship idols. You won't take my name in vain. I promise you, you will remember the Sabbath day. And so those wonderful life principles become promises from God. If you'd like to say, Jesus, I need the power to be able to follow your rules, your laws, your commandments. All I'm asking you to do this morning is just stand up where you are. If you really mean it, just stand up where you are and let me pray with you. I know we all need it, friends. It's, it's, it's not easy because there is another power out there. And we have to remember we're not fighting against flesh and blood. You know, if, if it were, that would be easy. If I could see that old devil, you know, and know where, where he is and where he's coming from, it would be easier. Not easy, but easier. But it's principalities, you know, powers, dark powers. And we can't fight that of our own. But we have one, as Brother Lucas said, has won the battle already. He's won the war already. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us these life principles. And sometimes it's not easy. And we're thankful you understand that. But we need to understand that we cannot have no rules, just Jesus. If we have Jesus... He quickly tells us, you know, if you really love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And I'm going to give you the power to keep my commandments. And Lord, this morning we're on our feet saying we need your power. We love you, Jesus. But we also need you to give us the power to be faithful to you. Lord, I'm so thankful you have tremendous power. There is no sin that you cannot forgive. There's no habit that you cannot break. There is no addiction that you cannot destroy. And Lord, each of us have something in our life that needs to be getting rid of. And we come to you this morning thanking you because you're already working in our life to prepare us to live with you for all eternity. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.